Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in Greenville, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. Text me, call me, email me, any of those things. I will warn you, Gmail has some new security things going on uh, as of the past couple of weeks, so it might be best to start by texting me. But nonetheless, I do try to check my spam with regularity because uh, important emails go in there all the time now. Um, and my email is hosted by Gmail, even though it is a not a Gmail address in terms of the URL. Um, anyway, all my contact information is in the show notes. Um, and just a reminder, as always, if you get anything out of the show, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Just hit that little subscribe button. That helps the show. Um, and please, if you can just take a moment to leave a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and to, to type up a short little review in the podcast app, you just have to go to the show page and scroll down a little bit and you'll see five stars and you just hit it. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. Um, today, I am very much under the weather. You can probably tell by the tone of my voice. Um, but coming off of, so I'm recording this on Monday, January 30th, um, I'm coming off of having just watched uh, Patrick Mahomes in the uh, AFC Championship game with his gutsy performance basically hobbled on one leg, carry the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowl, and uh, and that is inspiring me to produce my own gutty performance here on uh, less than my normal vocal cords. I'm going to get out a podcast episode because I actually have a conference this week that is going to take up the majority of my week. Um, and so I'm having to go ahead and record this now in less than ideal conditions, but uh, but hopefully you guys can understand that my voice uh, is perhaps not the way it normally is, but I'm going to do my best here. Um, today, I want to talk about an article that Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg newspaper, magazine, whatever it is, publication, um, just produced yesterday that I thought was very, very interesting. Um, it's about the situation with what we call iBuyers, which are, in short, large companies, large corporations, typically on the West Coast or out West somewhere, which have been, the past couple of years, buying up real estate and flipping said real estate and, and making a profit that way. I did an episode on them last summer. And at the end of the episode, so I, I just talked about the whole iBuyer process and just kind of what they do. If you want to go back, I believe it's episode 127. Um, and at the end of that episode, I said, you know, with the market changing and with the reality that these iBuyers basically don't rely on local expertise at all, they're basically just relying on um, algorithms and uh, and computer models to determine it, what they should buy real estate for, what they should do to it, and then what they should sell it for. I'm very interested to follow whether they're able to keep up with the shifting market. And by the way, in case you don't know, whenever I say something like that, um, that's me basically, I'm not willing yet to make a prediction because I don't know enough. You know, I haven't seen the books on some of these iBuyers such as Open Door or OfferPad. Um, but when I say something like that, where it's like, I'm very interested to see, it means that I'm skeptical 
of whether what they're doing is going to work out, but I just don't have enough data to actually make a prediction. That's kind of, generally speaking, when you hear me talk in those terms on this show, that's what's going on in my mind. I, I don't like to make a prediction unless I have actual data. Um, I, I will make some predictions. I had a bold predictions episode a few weeks ago um, where I was kind of making predictions off the cuff, but a lot of those predictions were fueled by data, at least in the background. Um, whereas I just don't have enough data um, on exactly what companies like OfferPad and OpenDoor are actually doing, what kind of profit, you know, what their profit margins are, all of these things for me to really be able to make predictions. At least back in the summer, I didn't. But I said I wanted to closely monitor this because I was interested in it to see as the market shifted, if they would shift and if they would be able to adapt. Well, Bloomberg came out with an article yesterday, a scathing article about iBuyers, particularly in the Phoenix market, basically saying they have not adapted at all. And I have to say, this made me really excited. Not only did they say that these iBuyers haven't adapted, but they contrasted them with local mom and pop house flippers who are crushing it right now. And this is exactly what I said in my podcast that I feel like local expertise, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a real estate agent, local expertise doesn't just mean realtors, right? There are other, uh, just the house flippers I know um, in this market, they have inherent local expertise themselves, but they also know who to tap into, who to talk to, who to network with, who to um, bounce ideas off of in order to increase their knowledge as well. Whereas these iBuyers, they tend to have people, um, you know, I, I don't even know if if half the people that are working for them are even in the United States. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, though, whether they are or not. If they're in Silicon Valley, they have no idea what's going on in Greenville. Their computer models, um, as the Zillow Zestimate has shown us, is frequently going to be wrong. Um, but what was interesting, what I pointed out back in episode 127, was that sometimes they were offering more than a house, in my opinion, was worth. And then that would end up potentially being a problem for them. Now, when you have a market that's appreciating 20% year on year, it's not as big of a deal if you over if you overspend, then you just have to wait a few months for the market to catch up and then you can sell the home. Well, what happens when the market slows down? Um, as Warren Buffett says, you know the people that are uh, naked in the water when the tide uh, goes back out. Something like that. I butchered that. But you, you, you know who's naked in the water when the tide goes out. Um, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing right now as the market shifts, who is in the water naked? And guess what? Bloomberg um, was very excited to publish an article that shows that these iBuyers have been caught naked in the water. Um, by the way, Bloomberg, you have to um, have a subscription to get access to these articles, but I have a PDF of it. I went ahead and just saved this article to PDF. If you want to read it, um, just reach out to me again with that contact information in the show notes. I'm happy to share this article with you. Um, it wasn't chock full of data, but it was just interesting. Uh, it was an interesting to read, um, but I am going to summarize some of the high points in this episode. So they start the article by talking about a house flipper, Yusuf. Yusuf um, has done very well the past couple of years flipping houses. And interestingly, one of the, and again, all of these examples are in Phoenix, 
uh, as far as I as far as I know. Um, so they they talked about Yusuf. He he flipped a uh, a two bedroom townhome, and he actually sold it to Open Door, and he was kind of amazed, um, or at least it seems the article would allude to that he was amazed what Open Door was willing to pay for it. They were willing to pay really a tremendous amount for it. Now, he had already flipped it. And this is interesting because any of my listeners that flip houses will be kind of, it'll be strange to them to hear that a company that specializes in flipping houses bought an already flipped house, right? Is that not the first rule of flipping houses? You don't buy a house that's already been flipped. There are exceptions, right? When someone starts a flip and then can't complete it because they get underwater um, and then it ends up, uh, you know, coming on market or maybe being an off-market kind of situation where they just need to offload it because now now they're underwater. That I can understand. But this is a situation where the seller was not underwater. He had flipped the house. He had done everything. It was turnkey. Open door then came and purchased it and then tried to, to relist it. That's my understanding of how this all went down. Uh, well, now they have had to reduce the price um, dramatically. And so here's what uh, here's what Bloomberg said. Open door, um, let's see here. In April, paid two hundred sixty-five thousand dollars for this townhome, thirty thousand dollars above the five other bidders. Insane. Open door outbid other bidders. Open door is now asking for two hundred eighteen thousand dollars for this house, a forty-seven thousand dollar loss, not including its fees and renovation expenses. Probably the renovation expenses were fairly low, right? Because they had. Uh, purchased a property that appears to have already been town uh, turnkey. Um, but even that asking price is too high, according to Yusuf. And here's the here's crazy thing. This guy, the savvy uh, mom and pop investor, house flipper, now he's looking to potentially buy this property back. Now, the article ends. He hasn't yet uh, purchased it back. He's, he's waiting for the price to come back down as the market has shifted. But wouldn't that be the ultimate heist if uh, he sell, sells this property for an insane amount to Open Door and then ends up buying it back to them for pennies on the dollar? I mean, that would just be uh, that would just be incredible. That's like a Disney movie, right? Uh, uh, for those of us in real estate, that's like a Disney movie. My kids would not consider that to be much of a Disney movie. Um, the The article goes on and talks about um, another. Uh, couple that purchased a property from Open Door that Open Door had paid back in June six hundred forty six thousand eight hundred dollars for, and they bought it from Open Door for four hundred eighty five thousand dollars, a twenty five percent loss by Open Door, um, not to mention nearly a two hundred thousand dollar loss in just five months. That is insane. That that's what we call not. Uh, not changing your strategy, not shifting with the shifting market. You have to shift with the shifting market. You have to understand when the market is is turning that something needs to change in your approach and in your strategy. The article goes on to say that in Phoenix, again, this article was, was pretty centric to the Phoenix market, Open Door lost money on 89% of the homes it sold in the fourth quarter, an average of $58,000 a piece before accounting for fees and expenses. Um, and this is according to Tom Ruff, an analyst 
with Arizona data, uh, with uh, Arizona data firm information market. Um, the company in that same quarter, on average, flipped homes for 12% less than it had originally paid, he found. Um, in November, Open Door wrote down its real estate portfolio um, by $573 million. And as of Friday, its shares had fallen 94% since their high in February 2021. Not great if you are an iBuyer. Um, and and not great if you have uh, invested in these iBuyers, uh, you know, as a stockholder or something to that effect. Um, they have... I mean, if these numbers hold in outside the Phoenix market, and I can tell you right now, I've seen multiple instances of this in the Greenville market. I'll see a home that um, that one of these iBuyers has for sale, and it bought it for top of the market in the summer, and now you know it it didn't do a good they didn't do a good job with the flip. There's all sorts of of you know little issues when you walk in that are very apparent. Um, there's one that I went into recently where. You know the backyard. It's it's in a neighborhood that people want to have at least some semblance of a backyard, and the backyard was so sloped it was unusable. Well, guess what? When they're looking at their algorithms, their algorithms don't account for a sloped backyard. It can't, right? I know that they don't go into that level of detail because I've dealt with them before. They're not looking at that kind of stuff. What they're looking at is the yard size. Is it fenced in? Um, how big is the house? Where does it sit in relation to the yard? They're not factoring in important things like, is this yard really, really sloped? Is it actually usable? A yard that is, you know, um, 0.2 acres, for instance, a fifth of an acre. If it's unusable because of how sloped it is, you might as well pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, and so I saw this. I saw an example of a house in a pretty hot neighborhood that Open Door had for sale that they had bought top of the market. It had n basically no usable backyard space, um, and they had to keep reducing the price. Last I looked, uh, the price was basically where they purchased it at. Who knows what sort of money they had to put into it, not to mention holding costs, not to mention that they're going to have to pay realtor fees once they sell it. Um, so that is a that's that's tough. Again, if you're an iBuyer, I'm thankful that I'm not. I'm thankful that I've not invested anything into that technology because I've never believed in it. Because I've seen over the years, this is before I became a realtor. Um, I remember the first, I, I remember the exact day I learned about the Zillow's estimate. Um, it was before I became a realtor. And um, this was during the kind of as we were coming out of the Great Recession. My boss was talking about how his home had gone up in value. And it was like, how do you know that? And he pointed me to this website that had um, an automated Zestimate, and I was fascinated by it. But then as I started flipping houses and 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 doing things uh, in real estate, even before I became a realtor, I realized this Zestimate is, like, useless. Um, now, there is a sense in which uneducated parts of the market, um, such as my former boss, might think that it's actually useful information, but it, it's, it's really not. Do not look at the Zestimate. Um, that will not help you. Listen, if you want to know what your home is worth, reach out to me. I'd be happy to uh, to go through, look at your home, see how big it is, see what the market is doing, and give you an idea from looking at comparable sales and from what's on the market currently, what your home might be worth. But outside of those handful of people that are uneducated, that don't understand 
um, that the Zillow Zestimate is worthless. I think most people, most people now understand that that number, you know, it it might have some truth to it, but it's generally speaking going to be pretty far off. I think the majority of people out there are starting to understand that now. And um, for sure, iBuyers are now starting to understand that because they based, they put so much stock in these algorithms. Um, and here they are now with, uh, you know, in, in the fourth quarter of this last year, in one major market losing money on 89% of the homes it sold. And I bet that number, if you included the fees and expenses, since that doesn't include that, what about the homes that they just made a little bit of money off of on paper, but you don't include those fees and expenses? I bet that number is in the mid-90s if you if we had access to all of that data. It's, it's just, it's insane. Um, here's, what, um, here's what Megan Meyer-Toulson, an Open Door Division president, uh, said in a statement. She said, uh, and, and um, well, actually, I'm just going to read this paragraph because the whole paragraph, obviously Bloomberg, they produce some of the, of the best, in my opinion, some of the best economic uh, articles that are out there. I'm a big fan of, uh, of the content that they produce. Um, but their paragraphs leave uh, no fat on the bone. I mean, Word for word, every word is important. So I'm just going to read this. Megan Meyer Toulson, an Open Door Division president, said in a statement that the mix of a post-pandemic housing market, as well as rising inflation and interest rates, resulted in a once-in 40-year market transition. I find that very fascinating because a lot of people have been comparing the market today to the, the late 70s and early 80s. So it appears that Open Door came to that conclusion as well, saying this was a once-in-a-40-year market transition. Quote, We were anticipating a shift in the market, but it was the speed and scale of the change that was unprecedented, she said. The company could have mitigated losses. This is not part of the quote. This is Bloomberg summary. The company could have mitigated losses by canceling pending contracts, but chose instead to honor them. Oh, good for them. Good for them. I'm sure their shareholders are happy about that. Quote, our customers and their trust comes first. Oh, not your shareholders? Well, that's a that's an interesting statement. I, I think that that was just for the for the PR, to, to be completely honest. But I don't know. We'll, we'll have to, uh, maybe I'll reach out to her for, for a statement for this podcast. No, just just kidding. I could care less. Or I couldn't care less. I don't know. I could care less doesn't make sense. It's really, it really should be I couldn't care less. But I digress. Um, so... They were anticipating a shift in the market, but it was, it was the speed and scale of the change that was unprecedented. You didn't see this? Like, I, I'm actually amazed that they would issue a statement like that, that they did not see the speed and scale of the change that was coming. I've been talking about this for, I mean, what, at least a year on this podcast, I don't know. I'd have to go back and 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 look and see how long we've been talking about this. But we all knew that the pace that we had from uh you know the middle of 2020 through the middle of 2022 that it had to come down. That the that the rate of appreciation that the uh that the low inventory that the days on market till sale like there there was no way that it could stay at the rate that it was. And we saw the writing on the wall. I mean, in early 2022, I was telling you guys, changes are coming. Early 2022, it was very obvious that that was going to happen. The fact that a 
major, major company uh, with shareholders and the like is claiming that they didn't see the speed and scale of this change coming, that to me is shocking. I think that they probably need to hire some more realtors um, because uh, they've been trying to cut us out. Um, they hate us because they ain't us. Um, ain't us. Um, yeah, that, that probably didn't sound as good. Let me try that again. This is my throat uh, not working so well for me. They hate us because they ain't us, um, which is, if you don't know about that phrase, that is just a pop culture phrase. I don't know where it comes from. Anyway, that's the way I feel about iBuyers. Um, I don't care if they stay or go, um, but if I were a shareholder of a company like Open Door issuing a statement like this, I would be very, very frustrated. And I'm sure that a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of angst behind closed doors uh, over there at their headquarters. Um, here's another quote from the article: While Open Door is nursing losses, local flippers sold homes for 20% above purchase price. Hey, if you're a local flipper and you're listening to this, pat yourself on the back. You have you've won, right? You've been competing with these iBuyers for the past several years, and you came out on top. 20% above purchase price on average. I'm, I'm not sure if this is talking about the entire market or just specifically Phoenix, but I've seen this in Greenville. Local flippers are still doing just fine. Um, they tended, here's the, the, the rest of the quote, they tended to buy distressed properties, though they also generally put more into renovations. The typical Phoenix homeowner is sitting on an additional $100,000 in home equity since the pandemic began, according to real estate data firm Black Knight Incorporated. Um, listen, the local having local knowledge is right now for for the time being and and for for a while. I, I don't see this changing probably for several decades. Having local knowledge is going to beat computer algorithms, artificial intelligence algorithms, all of these things, they are far behind on their ability to project home values, potential ARVs, after repair values, all of these sorts of things. They are nowhere near capable of doing that. You need to have local expertise to be able to do that. And they were able to get by the past two years, right? When you have, again, 20% year-on-year appreciation, even if you mess up, even if you make a mistake on those valuation numbers, just wait it out a few months, and you'll see your property go up six to eight percent in value. And then all of a sudden, now it's worth what what you have it listed for. You just had to wait a little bit longer than normal. That's exactly what was happening in my podcast that I recorded this past summer. I said that on average, these I buyer homes tend to linger on the market longer than the other homes. Why? They were not in as good a condition as the other homes, and also they were priced at the top of the market. Well, they were able to just wait it out, you know, 60, 70, 80 days. Then the market came up to uh, where it was listed at. And then they were able to sell at that point and and make a profit just not as quickly as you guys, you guys that were flipping houses, those of us that were flipping houses, we were able to make the same amount of profit just a lot quicker. Um, so I promised you guys that I would be monitoring the iBuyer situation very closely and here we are. We have actual data showing that they did not adjust the way they should have to this market. They overpaid 
in a lot of instances, and now they're selling for pennies on the dollar. And an interesting conclusion from this, um, and and this was the conclusion in the article because they they actually reached out to a real estate broker in this article for comment that she's actually targeting these properties now. And that this was kind of a learning thing for me as a realtor. I'm not afraid to admit when I learned something that I hadn't really thought of. I tend to shy away from these iBuyer properties because I don't like the shoddy work um, that I've seen in many of them. Um, they're difficult to, to work with. Um, difficult, I said this in my, uh, in my episode over the summer, difficult to schedule a showing with them, difficult to work with them just kind of in general. Um, and so for me as a realtor, I don't want my clients to have to go through that. I don't want them to have to buy a house with shoddy work, uh, a house that's going to um, be very uh, a very difficult transaction. I want to help all of my buyer clients get the perfect house for their situation and to have just an ideal smooth transaction. I've not seen that with iBuyers up to this point. But what this Bloomberg article pointed out is that for for Properties that have been on the market with these iBuyers and have had multiple price reductions, this is a blood-in-the-water kind of situation where you might be able to purchase something for for even less than it's worth, even right now, because of the, the situation. These iBuyers right now are just having to dump these properties off. They're, they're cutting losses at this point. And so I'm going to be approaching this a little bit differently moving forward, because in the past, there might be reasons for caution. Uh, to exercise caution when working with a big corporate house flipping organization such as an iBuyer, but now there might be some unique opportunities to uh, to find something below market value in a shifting market and take advantage of the fact that these large corporations have uh, have overextended themselves and and revealed that they are naked in the water. Um, if you have any questions about any of that, or if you'd like a copy of that article, my contact information is in the show notes. Also, if you have any real estate needs, my contact information is in the show notes. I represent buyers, I represent sellers, investors, owner occupants, and the like. Just let me know. If you enjoyed this episode and this show, please make sure you are subscribed in your podcast app. I'm in a bunch of podcast apps, although the vast majority of you use Apple and Spotify. Uh, but we're in several others. So please make sure you subscribe to the show. Please leave a rating. Please leave a review. And we will talk again next time.